0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and SiriusXM Channel 371.
1: Packer and Durham, Andrea Adelson's in today. Yep, be here tomorrow too. And by the way, tomorrow, full show. Like guests aplenty, all sorts of things, including Andrea's Stab. Andrea Adelson tomorrow with a Packer and Durham exclusive. She's going to tell you the three teams she thinks your school is gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, more like Miss
1: Are finalists. you? Are you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, here's the thing about the three permanent opponents in this <laughs> three-five-five football schedule model that the ACC is, at some point, we think going to adapt, that, that we've all speculated. Packer and I speculated last week, and I was definite on some, no chance on others, and all this. We have exactly 0% inside knowledge of any of this, okay? So the idea <laughs> being this. Andrea said, what did you say earlier? You think that Miami definitely plays Florida State and Clemson. Was that the one you said? I don't want to misquote you here.
0: It was, F- Florida State is definitely going to play Clemson and Miami, I think. I feel like I'm playing okay. on that.
1: So, so here's the thing. When you do that, you have to do like me, and you have to point at the camera just like this. You have to point at the camera and say, you're definitely playing. <laughs> Miami and Clemson. (laughs)
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So
1: I did that last week when I told like all the schools in North Carolina, none of you are going to play the other three in the state and call it even or whatever, you know. Um, So that all being said, we'll get into football scheduling tomorrow. Uh, Huge show. Sam Hartman will be here tomorrow. Grant Gibson will be here tomorrow. Uh, Louisville legend, Kenny Klein. Also on this program, oh, it's amazing. Now we amazing. S- we say Louisville legend Kenny Klein, and some of you go, "Who? What? I've never heard that name." Well, most fans don't know who Kenny Klein is. Most media types do. Kenny Klein recently retired after a remarkable career. It's classified as sports information, but it was so much more for the University of Louisville. He's staying on an advisory role to do some basketball things for. Um, uh, for um, I'm drawing a blank on um, Kenny Payne's staff so we're going to hear from Kenny Klein tomorrow uh, about that and also his Louisville career and we're looking forward to that because he's got unbelievable stories unbelievable experiences uh, as you can imagine so Kenny Klein will be here we'll check we'll check on lacrosse we'll check on baseball and more all that tomorrow uh, with Andrea now Bill Conley who does SP plus metrics for ESPN.com has released his updated projections. And Andrew, you and I are fairly forth about this in that we really don't understand how he gets to it, but nonetheless he gets to it. And the metrics are interesting when it comes to the ACC, because some teams I think you and I really like are not that high in Bill's preseason projections of his analytics.
0: Well, the one I really want to point out is Pitt here, which dropped six spots uh, after Jordan Addison transferred to USC. And that's a team that I think is still going to be pretty good. But with the changes that they've had on offense, losing Kenny Pickett and losing Jordan Addison, it makes you wonder where exactly Pitt is going to fall headed into the season. I think that's about right for Pitt, maybe a little bit high. I'm actually pretty high on Florida State, uh, quite honestly, Um, with the players that they have coming back. We've talked about returning starters. Florida State has a lot of returning starters, and they might have the best backfield in the ACC. So I think Florida State's going to have a really good year this year. But Pitt, for me, if I'm looking at all of those, Uh, is one of the biggest questions, because I don't think we know quite yet what that offense is going to look like, potentially with Keaton Slovis as the quarterback, with other guys having to step up at wide receiver. We've heard a lot about Kanana Mumfield, who had a terrific spring for them, the transfer from Akron. They want to be able to run the ball better. But Pitt, to me, at least on offense, is a bit of an unknown.
1: All right, don't forget Gavin Bartholomew, the tight end, comes back too, right, who ended up catching – he was as productive, if not more so, than Lucas Kroll at times last year. The other thing, too, is Pitt brings back – I know DeMar Hamlin's gone the secondary, things like that, but they bring back John Morgan. They bring back Kalijah Kansi. I mean, they bring back guys on defense who've made plays. So, I'm with you on the markdown of six after Jordan Addison's – uh, left to go to USC. Here's the one I want I wanted to double-check with. You mentioned something that I don't think's gotten enough play coming out of the spring. Florida State looked really good in the spring running the football, Andrea. Now, I know in a spring game, Garnet and Gold, it's hard to tell because you're splitting teams or it's ones versus twos and twos versus whatever the case may be. But what changed down there because it looked like they were kind of finding a rhythm there running the ball – Then Jordan Travis finally took over as the quarterback a little bit. There wasn't that rotation. When Travis is healthy, but they've added some guys here now to be able to run the ball, and it looks like they got a chance to be pretty good doing it.
0: No question. They've got a transfer, Trey Benson, who really had an outstanding spring, and he just adds to what Florida State was able to develop with their run game a year ago. I think the offensive line is going to be better. And now that Jordan knows that he's the starting quarterback at Florida State, I think that just makes him a different player because he's not looking over his shoulder. And this is something that Roddy and I talked about when we did our Twitter space on Monday, looking at the quarterbacks in the ACC with David Hale. It's that it feels as if there's a new confidence surrounding Jordan because he knows going into the season. He's the guy. And that's the first time in his career at Florida State he's been able to say that. He's always been a part of quarterback competitions, not so much this year. They've also made some additions at receiver, uh, transfer additions at receiver that I think is going to make them better overall as a group. Now, again, questions still remain about Florida State because I think we're all waiting on you know, similar to Miami, are they going to be back? When, when's Florida State going to turn that corner? I'm telling you the conversations I've had with Mike Norvell this spring, he is extremely confident that this team has figured things out, that a light switch has gone on beyond just, you know, the X's and O's, but what it takes to work out in the locker room, what it takes to go through off-season conditioning the right way, what it takes to work out with teammates separately from going to practice. Uh, he's very confident about this team coming back into this season.
1: All right, I want to uh, let's go to two areas here. One, Florida State, who plays a week zero game. And there are a couple schools here playing week zero. North Carolina is going to play Florida AM. Florida State is going to play Duquesne. Carolina is going to play Florida AM before they go to Boone to play Appalachian State. Florida State's Duquesne game is eight days before they play LSU in New Orleans on a Sunday night. Here's my question. What does that game do for Florida State, Andrea? I Look, I don't – I mean, Brian Kelly can sit there and watch the game. I, I don't know how much Florida State has to show to beat Duquesne, but the experience of the game itself for Florida State and kind of exercising the demons of what has been an unorthodox start to Mike Norvell's tenure in Tallahassee for sure. Yeah. <sighs>
0: I feel fairly confident in saying that Duquesne is not going to present the same challenge that Jacksonville State presented to Florida State a year ago. And the thing that they can get out of that game is just working out some of the kinks, right? You got some new players. They signed a ton of transfers. They're going to have some true freshmen who are going to be significant contributors for them, especially on the defensive side of the ball, right? So the last thing that you want is with A team that has a lot of returning starters, but also has a lot of transfers and freshmen coming in who are going to play roles to have to open the season on the road against a program like LSU. You want to be able to have them make some of those mistakes that we see in an opener against a team like Duquesne so that they get some of those jitters out, right? First time playing for Florida State, whatever the case may be under the big lights. And then you're at least slightly more prepared headed into the LSU game. You're right, it's gonna be vanilla, they're not gonna show a ton, but I think the fact that they get to have a game before they play such Mm. a a crucial matchup like that one, and oh, by the way, their September schedule is difficult. That is not gonna be a cakewalk for Florida State. But if they can at least get through it and maybe go three and two, perhaps, Four and one in a best case scenario, you know, then that's when you're going to see the confidence really start to build for Florida State. You know, the issue for that team is they've been so young and they've gotten off mm-hmm. to such bad starts that it's kind of submarine the rest of the season. But last year, what I think was so different about Florida State, they start 0-4 and everyone thinks, here we go again, the whole season's going to be in the tank. But it wasn't. Those guys played hard in the second half of that season. They almost made a bowl game. So I think that's when Mike Norvell says the lights come on and I feel a difference with the players. That's what he's referring to. So now you transfer that an entire offseason of work, get to open against an FCS team and, and hope that it's a little bit easier than it was against Jacksonville State a year ago. And now at least you feel like, okay, we've got a game under our belt before we play LSU and head into a fairly tough September uh, opening stretch.
1: Yeah, good call there. Um, and to the point, on the other side, Adam Rittenberg is going to join us because he's written a piece about quarterback battles. And one of those teams in the ACC playing a week zero game is North Carolina, where Drake May and Jacoby Criswell looked the part, if you will, in the spring. But clearly, there is a process that has to be uh, determined as to who potentially takes that first start against Florida A&M. Or even if there's just one taking the start against Florida AM. and Certainly somebody will take the first start, but will they play two to get to Boone the next week? It's a pretty big decision following the Sam Howell administration in Chapel Hill. When we come back, Adam Rittenberg will join us. Uh, Danny Gray is still to come. Get us caught up on stuff from Charlotte. And uh, we will do that and more when Packer and Durham continues next. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer in Durham on a Thursday. Andrea Adelson's in for Pack, who today, I think, goes to Capri or someplace like that and eats a lunch featuring some sort of wine and a pasta. In fact, let's see, what time is it? Probably about 2.30. He's probably in the middle of lunch now. Just check the socials. You'll see it. Um, By the way, uh, Andrea's colleague, Adam Rittenberg, joins us this morning, who is... uh, Adam has penned an article... And it's under the headline, Exclusive Content to ESPN+. Plus. I want to make sure we get that thrown in there, by the way. So you subscribers are the only ones that can read this right now, by the way, Rittenberg. Uh, the article is titled, Breaking Down College Football's Top Remaining Quarterback Battles. And you are the guest of the moment because in your discussion of these quarterback vacancies, Notre Dame, Iowa, LSU, Michigan, Ole Miss, Oregon, Texas, a and and Washington... There's Clemson and North Carolina up for debate. And is already wax poetic about the Tigers. I'm going to let you <laughs> start. I'm going to start with this. Carolina, we just talked about Florida State playing week zero against Duquesne. Carolina plays week zero against Florida A&M. And Tom Lugenbill and Taylor Davis and I did their spring game. And I'm going to tell you, Adam, I came out of the spring going, Jacoby Criswell is much improved. Drake may is impressive, but I'm not going to be surprised if in week zero, we don't go, we don't come out of week zero thinking exactly what we thought going into week zero. And that is both could play in the game for Mac Brown and Phil Longa. Wes, I think you're right. I think there's certain competitions that come out of
2: the spring where coaches will say, Hey, this is going to go for a while. And they kind of just say that we all know who the starter is going to be. I think at Carolina, it truly is too close to call at this point. And to your point, might be that way for a little while into the season because you know, these two players, like you said, have improved. They've impressed the coaches uh, and, and no one has really separated themselves to to this point. You know, obviously, Criswell's been there a little bit longer. May is a higher rated recruit. He was ultimately, you know, my, I had to make a pick on a, a week one or in this case, a week zero starter. But I, I think you could see in this case and with several other examples in that piece, Teams going with multiple quarterbacks for a couple of weeks, especially as they ramp up to a you know, kind of big late September game, which for North, North Carolina is Notre Dame coming in on September 24th. Notre Dame obviously has to sort out its own quarterback situation, and they have a, a little bit different week one test going to Ohio State, arguably the nation's number one team. So that's going to be a really fun quarterback race to watch in Chapel Hill throughout August and, and probably into September.
0: Adam, in your discussions with coaches across the country, when we look at North Carolina in particular, they had Sam Howell a year ago, but they didn't really live up to the expectations that we all thought uh, they were going to be. Now that we don't really know who the quarterback is going to be, what do you make of North Carolina going into the season? How should we view this team both in the coastal race and then maybe in the bigger picture nationally?
2: Yeah, Andrew, it's a pivotal season for Mac Brown in North Carolina to prove what they're going to be. I had that great season a couple of years ago in 2020 undoubtedly a disappointing year last, last season, and, and maybe not just for Sam Howell, but, but for the overall program, because coaches were telling me that offense just didn't look the same. He didn't have a whole lot of help around him, and we know they lost a lot of really good skill players from the 2020 team and didn't really replenish those spots. And so, you know, they, they've recruited well. You know, they have an identity on offense with Phil Longo. They know what they want to do, ideally, and you saw that in 2020. Can they replicate that? Can they get back to uh, that excitement that, that was generated earlier in, in Mac Brown's tenure because if not I think you have these other programs namely Miami that are kind of ready mm-hmm. to, to pass them by I mean North Carolina was an it team top 10 team going into the 2021 20, season they were nowhere near that when they finished losing the, uh, the Mayo Bowl to South Carolina so is, is this a year where they get back into that mix and we're talking about them from the ACC standpoint maybe even nationally or are they going to be you know, in most seasons in that middle of the pack, six wins, seven wins, eight wins. That's certainly not what they were hoping for after the, the great start to Max' tenure combined mm-hmm. with the recruiting success they've had. So that's really it. There's talent there in North Carolina. They've, they have recruited uh, about as well as, as you could hope for, you know, especially in the ACC. But now can they get back to what, what we saw in 2020 versus what we saw most of last season?
1: Adam, you mentioned Carolina and the program as a whole here, Uh, and we talked about Florida A&M, and you mentioned Notre Dame. They go to Boone in week one and then play in Atlanta at Georgia State in week two. There's something about this Boone-Appalachian game, though, that is now – it's going to reach, like, hold your breath for Carolina fans here because, you know, Appalachian State's been a very successful program. And they won in Chapel Hill in Mac's first year, and now here goes Carolina to boom. In your mind, after kind of working on this piece, do they have to decide well before Notre Dame on a quarterback?
2: Well, like you said, they have that luxury of the FCS game to begin with and the opportunity, I mean, most likely they're going to play two quarterbacks just because of the, the, the way that that game goes, unless Florida AM really makes it close, which then you have maybe some other problems to deal with if you're Mac Brown. But ideally, you get both quarterbacks into that game, and then you, you pick a direction going forward because that is a tricky game in week two. I've talked to some of the coaches at Appalachian State. They're already excited for, for that opportunity. Hmm. They don't get too many chances to host a team from the ACC, especially from within the state. So that's going to be about the, the biggest non-conference game that you can imagine. I do remember Miami went there a number of years ago. It looked like an upset special and Miami uh, had, had no problem with, with App State. So, uh, but, but this is a different situation. I, you know, App State is a team that uh, you know, ha- is primed to win these types of games. Uh, they are gonna, It's going to be an extremely hostile environment. For North Carolina. And so there would be some uh, justification in deciding, okay, this is going to be our guy for the most part in this game. But I I don't know why you wouldn't play both quarterbacks having that luxury as Carolina has of a a week zero game that they should win fairly easily.
0: Adam, I want to hit on Clemson as well, because Mm. DJ Uyunglele is such a question mark, headed into the season. Based on his performance (laughs) a year ago, not really living up to the hype during recruiting and what we expected of him. But one of the things I keep coming back to when I look at DJ and the performance of Clemson on offense last season, was he just didn't have receivers around him that were capable of making the extra play. And I'm wondering from your perspective, when you look at DJ and the struggles that Clemson had on offense, how much do you put on him and how much do you put on the receiver group moving forward in terms of what that is going to look like and how that dynamic is going to be this season.
2: Andrea, it's critical that Clemson improves at receiver this year. You know, for years, and you and I have talked about it, there are two positions that Clemson has been nationally elite pretty much every year during the incredible run they had under Dabo. One is defensive line, Mm -hmm. and the other one is wide receiver. I think you can make the argument, and and I I did our future power rankings for defense, put Clemson at number one, (laughs) largely because they are still loaded at the defensive line spot, especially heading into the 2022 season. Wide receiver is a different story, though. So... And, and you're now looking for who are those difference makers? You know, wh- where is that depth that we saw for, for so many years you know, with different quarterbacks, uh, whether it was Deshaun Watson or, or Trevor Lawrence or even before Deshaun Watson? The, re- the receiver spot was loaded at Clemson. Can they get back to that? It also raises the question, you know, who needs to make who better? Does, does, does it improve DJ Uangalaleh, make the receivers better, or do improve receivers help DJ Uangalaleh? And I'd also throw in the offensive line because that's the position coaches yeah. have always said is lacking at Clemson. That's the spot, even when they were winning national championships, they, they didn't have elite offensive lines. You got a new coach in there, have an opportunity to take a step forward, because if you look at the other national title contenders, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Georgia, you know, those teams don't have the same questions up front that, that Clemson has had at times. And so I think the wide receiver spot, though, is also going to, to, going to create a lot of in- intrigue and attention in camp, along with the quarterback situation because I get the sense Clemson wants DJ to win this job talked about how he lost weight in the spring energized kind of a new player Uh, they want him to go out and be the 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 guy that we thought he would be last year but um, he's got to help those receivers and they've got to help him they have talent if you look at the way they've recruited it doesn't seem like talent is the issue but are they going to have those two or three difference makers that we were
1: accustomed to during their run of playoff appearances i tell you what, Adam, that's a great point. I want to follow – I want to end on this, uh, and I'm doing some scouting here for Florida State fans, okay? Uh, they played Duquesne Week 0. Andrea and I were just talking about it a minute ago, and we talked about where Florida State might be. But Week 1, they play LSU, who does not play a Week 0 game, in New Orleans on that Sunday night. LSU is one of the schools you write about in the article that I think people would really enjoy because it's not a two-man race in Baton Rouge for Brian Kelly – it's a three-man race for the quarterback job at LSU?
2: It really is, Wes. And I think the emergence of Garrett Nussmeyer this spring really stood out to the LSU coaches and, and fans around that program. Even though he was a top 100 recruit, the son of longtime college coach Doug Nussmeier, w- was a bit of a forgotten man because you had Miles Brennan, who'd been the quarterback in 2020, got hurt, you know, played came, last year also w- was hurt, uh, but he comes back for an extra season, so he's a known name. You bring in Walker Howard, who was a, a top 30 national recruit uh, for, for the 2022 class, and then you add Jaden Daniels, multi-year starter at right. Arizona a state who transfers in. So everyone kind of forgot about Garrett Nussmeyer. He had a really good spring, I'm told. And, and, and I think it's probably going to be Nussmeyer or Daniels for that starting job right away. Daniels obviously has tremendous experience. He's trying to recapture the form that he had in 2019 when he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions, beat Justin Herbert in Oregon to kind of spoil their playoff hopes and was on the NFL draft radar as of after that freshman year. So can he recapture that? Under a new coaching staff, if not, I I I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Garrett Nussmeyer is a starting quarterback for the
1: Tigers against the Seminoles. All right, great stuff from Adam Rittenberg. Remember, friends, it's exclusive content available at ESPN Plus. Uh, Subscriber, the, that's it, that's it. You can do a man wearing a blazer with a pocket square to do this <laughs> show can certainly <laughs> rub his fingers to indicate he's making a lot of money. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, Adam, (laughs) it is always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for your time, and uh, have a great rest of the week. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Appreciate you having me on. You bet, Adam Rittenberg. I mean, Andrea, it was a blazer. When we come back, Danny Graves on the transpiring story in Charlotte. We have a 10 seed and an 11 seed in one of the semifinals already at the ACC Baseball Championship, and that's next. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham, Thursday on ACC Network. Thanks to uh, Adam Rittenberg. I think Packer would have established a fine when he saw the coat, though. Andrew. I'm just being honest. <sighs>
0: I, I, I feel like I need whatever cash money he's getting to upgrade my wardrobe. I'm just wearing a T-shirt today. I feel like a slacker.
1: Uh, Danny Graves, also wearing a T-shirt, kids, joins us on this uh, fine program Yay. here this morning. Yes. Uh, what's up, Graves? How we doing, man? All good? Good. Yeah, so Andrea told me
3: to not dress up, so... Um, Perfect.
1: Yep, here we are.
3: There we go. No, no <laughs> you know, we're for me.
1: That's it. Hey, uh, Danny, they have been pool play in the ACC Baseball Championship now. This is the ninth year that it's been pool play. Started in 2014. Coaches made the move from the double elimination, which is what next week is with the NCAA. They made that move in part and parcel to save arms. You're a pitcher. You can talk to that. Second part is... They felt like the pool play kind of gave them a number going in that could only expand, it couldn't regress in terms of NCAA tournament teams. Feels like that Pittsburgh's making a move to validate that theory by getting them by working their way to the semifinals, the win over Georgia Tech, the walk-off yesterday against Louisville. And if NC State were on any kind of bubble, and I don't think they were, but if they were, certainly NC State has helped themselves get into the NCAA tournament. So the values of pool play, some people think, well, we're playing a meaningless game today at 11. Yes, but you're going to get more teams next week and maybe in better shape from a health wise.
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of benefits from it. And I think we're seeing it right now with NC State and Pitt. Uh, But to me, I'm not a, a huge fan of it. I'm a huge fan of getting more teams into the tournament, obviously. But the thing with this this whole setup is if you're a higher seed, you can only have to go one and one. So yes, you're saving pitchers, right. but it's not necessarily playing your best baseball at this at this time of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. being one and one, having the highest seed, you're automatically in semifinals. I, I don't really think that's fair. But then right. again, here we are, Pittsburgh, and NC State are... Are in, and now we're going to have more opportunities for more ACC teams in the tournament.
1: All right. I know Andrew's going to have a question, but I'm going to ask you this right now. You're a pitcher in the ACC, and you're playing in this championship, and Tommy White steps in the box against you. Are you throwing four balls in the dirt to Tommy White now after last night's three home runs? <laughs>
3: I'm going to throw one ball at his kneecap. and then, No, just kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> yeah.
1: no, I, I just, I had to say that because I was going to say,
3: I want to save my bullets. I don't want to throw four pitches, right? Um, I can yeah. tell you this. I'm not throwing him a strike and I'm not throwing him a strike, especially out over the plate, anything away. <sighs> and that's what Miami did last night. Everything they threw him was, was away, away, away. And he's such a good hitter like his approach at the plate is only to hit the ball with authority to the opposite field. And they fed right into it. And I know the last righty that faced him, his third home run, if the pitch was supposed to be inside, he left it out over the plate and Tommy tanks did exactly what he's supposed to do with it. He's such a good hitter, man. Mm. Um, And to your point, Wes, there's nobody else behind him. In my opinion, that swings the bat like he does. And yes, there's good hitters in their lineup, but they're not Tommy tanks right now. So Tommy's not, not seeing a strike from me.
0: Hmm. Danny, I'm just curious for your thoughts on where NC state is. Obviously Tommy's done a terrific job this year, but this is a team that probably came into the season on a mission after what happened a year ago in the college world series. How do you feel they're playing right now? And what are your expectations for them headed into the NCAA tournament?
3: So nothing surprises me with Elliot Avent at the helm. I mean, he's such an amazing head coach. He's an amazing people person. He gets guys to play to the best of their abilities. Um, But NC State, to me, is built for tournament time. They're built for short series like this. Uh, This particular roster, I don't think, was built for a long stretch. They're built for tournament. They're built for regionals and Omaha. Uh, they showed that last year that just get get us in, just get us in, and we'll play and we'll show you how good we are. And they're already doing it again uh, in this in this little short short time of the ACC championship. So I will not put anything past Elliott Avent and his teams.
1: Danny, here's the, here's the one that uh, we were just talking about the format. Virginia Tech plays for the first time tonight against Clemson at seven o'clock. Uh, John Chefs done an amazing job uh, in Blacksburg. Yes. They're the number one seed in this event. However, all of this is brand new to the Hokies in some respect. Uh, you've got battle-tested teams like Miami, who's been there before. You've got NC State coming off the College World Series. Um, you know, Mike Bell in Pittsburgh, they've done a great job. Louisville's been around. I mean, what kind of different environment does John Sheff has to coach this week?
3: So the, the thing with Virginia Tech, I do think they're the best team in the ACC, up and down, sure. on paper. They're, they're pitching, they're hitting. Uh, everything about them, John Sheff is great. But you're right, Wes, like they, they haven't been in this situation before. And when you look at uh, who they have in their, their, their top two pitchers, Drew Hackenberg, amazing freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. Griffin Green is another starter who's had a great season. But then you look at the teams that you mentioned and you look at Florida state too. another team that you, you didn't mention their starting pitching is, is ridiculous. And they've been in this situation before. So um, I I think John chef's going to have to get these guys to just understand this is just baseball, right? Yes. It's a bigger time of the season, but it's baseball play your game. They're so, they're so talented. If they just can get out of their own heads, they're not going to have a problem. I know it's not easy, as easy as it sounds, but I mean, just play baseball. Their talent will take them.
0: I think we all agree Virginia Tech was the best team this season. We've already seen a couple of high seeds lose. So, how do you see the rest of this tournament playing out based on what we've already seen and what's to come? Mm.
3: Well, I don't know if I should say because I, was, I would have been way off if you would asked me this a couple days ago. I wouldn't have said Pittsburgh would be where they are. I would have said NC State uh-huh. has a chance to shock a lot of people. Um, but you just, you just never know. I mean, if you're going to make me say somebody, I guess I could. But I, I, I don't know. I, I love the way that it's going. It's so exciting right now. I would imagine Virginia Tech's going to get to the semifinals. They they have to win tonight, beat Clemson. They're automatically in. Um, Hmm. And then, you know, Florida State or Notre Dame, both those teams are great. I would like to see Florida State because I love pitching, obviously, and and I think their pitching can take them uh, a long way.
1: Uh, Danny, I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. There were, uh, 25 semifinalists announced for the golden spikes award, which essentially is the baseball college baseball's version uh, of the Heisman trophy. Um, two of those 25 are from Virginia tech to, to speak to your point a moment ago about how they might be the most complete team in the league. Uh, Gavin cross and Tanner show are the two guys from Virginia tech. Now, Jake Geloff for Virginia's on there. Parada from Georgia Tech, Max White, here are the the Golden Spikes Awards semifinalists from the ACC, Parker Messick, who I know you're a huge fan of, Tommy White's on that list. Um, But Schobel and Cross have essentially been the key guys, and you mentioned Drew Hackenberg. I would throw Jack Hurley in there, too, in terms of hitting. Cross and Schobel have been kind of the straws that stir the drink, though, every day for John Sheff in terms of this program this year.
3: Absolutely, Gavin Cross has done it his whole career at Virginia Tech, and uh, I think Tanner Shoval gets overlooked a little bit just because he's a shortstop and people don't expect him to have the numbers that he has. Uh, he's a huge power guy, and then, and then you mentioned Jack Hurley. Like, we can go up and down their lineup. It they give me chills just thinking about their lineup that they're that good. Um, but but I think I think Schoble, to me is their MVP. Uh, just be, being that leader on the field as a shortstop and just doing so well yeah. offensively.
1: All right. All
0: right Danny's so, never going to talk to me again because I'm putting him on the spot one more time here, <laughs> Wes?
1: Oh, good, it. good. Go, Andrea. Do it. Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is the prediction on how many ACC teams make the tournament?
1: Ooh, Uh-oh. yeah. Now oh. we're getting into deep Ooh. end, deep into the pool. Now, Graves. Let's go.
0: Ten. <laughs> Okay, I'm writing 10? it down.
1: <laughs> Is that safe to 10? say? Ah, Aaron Fitz got 11 this morning. Well, I'm not going against Aaron Fitz, and I'm not saying he's wrong.
3: But if there's 11, if there's more than what I say, that's even better, right? If there's less than what I say. Yeah, you're right. Then I'm disappointed.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think the fact one semifinal has been decided before the first pitch on Thursday is a fascinating reveal into how deep this league is, though, especially it's the yeah. 10 and 11 seed playing in the semifinal. And I don't, think, I don't think any of us expected that, Danny. I don't think anybody expected the low seeds. And we talked about depth of the league all spring long. You know that. But I don't think anybody thought – that you would have a 10-11 and 11 in one of the semis, which marks one of them for the championship game on Sunday.
3: Right. No, nobody did. And you know what this does, essentially, is it screws up the whole process of trying to pick who's going to be in the tournament, right? But that's what we want. We want everybody <laughs> to be confused on who gets in, and now they have to really consider Pitt, really consider <laughs> NC State. Well, NC State was probably in already, I think, but now they got to re- reconsider of who, who's in and who's out. But I can tell you this, yeah. th- Andrew, this is one thing I, I can almost guarantee. Well, I, I don't know if I should say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> the ACC will <laughs> have it. the most teams in the tournament from any conference. That's including that other one there that we go. don't like, that other conference that we don't like.
1: There we go. Where it's been raining a lot, right? There we go. Thank you, Danny. Yes. You're the yes. man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Danny Graves, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Be well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the baseball. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. All right. You bet. When we come back, final word here on the Thursday show, quick reminder to you, Mike Monaco and Gabby Sanchez will be at Truist Park in Uptown Charlotte Saturday for the ACC Baseball Semifinals. You see four and eight listed as the times. All ACC is a part of it as well. They'll have between games and post-game of those finals for you. We will come back, clean up the schedule for the baseball, and tell you about the softball, oh, by the way, which also starts tonight in Stillwater, America for John Rittman and Clemson. That's next. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. We got news here in the last, oh, I don't know. It had been rumored to be happening and now apparently official from Miami. Alonzo Highsmith is coming. Who was, am I right, rumored to be a candidate for athletic director at the time and now is coming back as uh, a front office guy for the football program, it looks like.
0: Yeah, this was uh, months and months in the making, uh, so it's not a surprise that Miami finally has hired uh, Alonzo Highsmith uh, back as the general manager uh, for football operations and he's going to be serving as a liaison uh, for the football team, Mario Cristobal, and also with the administration, uh, help with Mm. former players, current players, bridging gaps, culture, marketing, you name it, it looks like it's under Alonzo Highsmith's purview. Uh, and this general manager role is something that more and more college football programs have shifted toward. Uh, so not a surprise at all that Miami's gone in this direction, but uh, it'll be great to have Alonzo Highsmith back in Miami, who, by the way, on a personal side note, uh, was one of my uh, favorite uh, players growing up. Mm. In fact, this is, my parents will probably be totally freaked out that I said this on air, but he came to our school one time uh and uh signed some stuff, and one of them was a shoe, and I kept it forever and so Alonzo, if you're watching, <laughs> thank you for autographing my shoe uh when I was growing up.
1: That is awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> beyond the uh memorabilia portion of this, um is it and we'll we'll just touch on this quickly more tomorrow on this. Easy to say that yeah. it is night and day in less than a year where Miami football is from just an infrastructure standpoint, Andrea?
0: No question. there is. It's hard to describe the difference between Miami today and Miami a year ago. Today, In terms Mm -hmm. of not just infrastructure, but also commitment to football, uh, the commitment to wanting to make football great again, uh, the twin hires of Mario Cristobal and Dan Radakovich, uh, the willingness to spend money, uh, the staff size, the quality of the staff. uh, And again, it's no slight on Manny Diaz, but he was not given all these tools to work with that Mario has now been given. And a lot of that has to do with the faith and belief in Mario himself as a former Miami player who's been there and won championships and then saw what it took at Alabama, saw what it took at Oregon, and can now bring all of that to Miami and make Miami into what a modern college football program needs to look like. And as soon as that happens, telling you there is belief and confidence down there in South Florida— that Miami's going to be in that conversation for championships sooner rather than later.
1: All right. More on this tomorrow along with uh, Andrea's schedule reveal. <laughs> How's that? How's that for a tease? Can't wait. can uh, schedule Yeah, schedule <laughs> reveal of your three permanent opponents for every school. What could possibly go wrong there? Okay, uh, let's get to softball. There are three ACC teams playing in Super Regionals this weekend. One starts tonight. 9.30 is scheduled first pitch on ESPN2. And that is Clemson's first ever appearance in a super regional. John Rittman and his Tigers are at number seven national seed, Oklahoma State. Um, Clemson is 42 and 15 on the year. Uh, Of course, they were named the 10 national seed, and then they rolled through their first ever host regional site last weekend. They've outscored opponents 281 to 131 in games and run ruled 13 opponents. Oklahoma State, though, is a different deal. Uh, they are very, very good, but so is Ripman's team, Who is pitching has been incredible between Valerie Cagle and Millie Thompson last week on the softball diamond in their sweep of their regional at home. So Clemson and Oklahoma State is tonight. 930 is the first pitch, and you'll see it on ESPN2. 398 hits in 57 games, including 67 home runs for the Tigers. Duke and Virginia Techs. Regionals get underway uh, tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow's show, Sam Hartman will be here, the Wake Forest quarterback, who we talked about when we were discussing quarterback rankings earlier. Grant Gibson from NC State, uh, a guy who should probably be getting more pub in the preseason than he is, Andrea. One of the real key factors, I think, in what NC State's season could be about revolves around Grant Gibson at center.
0: No, no question. And I had a chance to talk a couple of weeks ago on a Twitter space that David Hale and I did. And uh, he's just a, a terrific young man. But also, you're absolutely right. One of the keys to that offensive line without Iki Iguanu, What is that going to look like on that side of the line? But Grant coming back is really, I think, the glue uh, for for that line uh, and what they're going to be. And if there's one thing that we can say about NC State, typically year after mm. year, is the play at the center position is incredibly consistent and steady. And I think they're going to get that and more out of Grant Gibson this season.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to talking with Grant Gibson tomorrow and Sam Hartman as well. Uh, Louisville legend uh, Kenny Klein will also be here as well as part of the program tomorrow. And we will check in on the Final Four in women's lacrosse. Uh, that has a pair of ACC teams in Boston College and uh, North Carolina involved. So we'll do all that. Plus, there's more baseball. Don't forget there's three games today in Charlotte. NC State and Pittsburgh are already in one half of the semifinals on Saturday that you'll see here on ACC Network. Uh, today, Florida State could get there. They're 1-0 playing Notre Dame in the middle of the three games in uptown Charlotte. Georgia Tech and Louisville will start things in about an hour, and then Virginia Tech at Clemson. Uh, is the nightcap at Truist Park in Charlotte. We'll have coverage on Saturday for you here on ACC Network. And Sunday, championship game uh, is on ESPN2. Andrea, thank you. See you tomorrow. Uh, Don't have to worry about the uh, stresses of the uh, fifth grade graduation party tonight. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) We'll see you. Drew Brooks, Casey O'Brien, great job. Chrissy, thank you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, for another edition of Packer and Durham, right here on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10
0: Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.